like to know him. Are you ready for start time? This is the Dab Podcast. Okay, well, let me kind of move these things around here, you know. Rome Solo, Friday Dab. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience. It looks like it just came out of the basement. It's showtime. Hello, hello, and welcome in to the Dab Podcast, Rome Solo, Friday Dab. I am your host, Andrew Romanella, and favorite guest of the show, Rob Detoma, joins us to talk football today. Rob, welcome back. Thanks, Romo. Thanks for having me back. Rome Solo. Here we go. Yes, sir. You mentioned something to me before that you think your name should be in the title, and I think that that might be something we have to discuss moving forward. Yeah, I think you could sense the sarcasm when I said Rome Solo right back at you. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I could, I could feel it through the phone. Before we get going, guys, we're going to remind you, get us on Twitter and Instagram at Dab Podcast. Hit the website, dabpodcast.com. Check out the articles written by Chris Pinnell. Fantastic. More of those are going to be coming out. And then, of course, listen, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, now on SoundCloud, which is cool because you can listen through my, our Instagram story and give us a five-star when you're done. And then, of course, you know we're sponsored by Digme Nation. Head to digmenation.com, use the promo code DIGTHEDAB and receive percentages off your next purchase. All right, Rob, we got two games coming up this Sunday. A lot of people think that this is the best football weekend of all, because even though the Super Bowl is great, it feels like you almost get two Super Bowl feels when you wake up on Sunday. But to me, the thing that resides the most in my mind is how important home field advantage is going into these games. I believe it'll be huge, uh, especially for the teams involved. I mean, New Orleans is such a home field, separate of kind of anyone else in the league. It's just that much of a different place from what people in the league talk about. Kansas City, I think, needs the home game or else New England never loses at home. So just the simple fact that it's not in New England gives them a much better chance. But, yeah, I mean, I I think I saw something where it's 10 straight conference championships have been won by the home team. So that should tell you right there how important home field is. So I want to start in New Orleans because that's the first of two games on Sunday. And I was reading a quote from wide receiver Robert Woods who said, The crowd shouldn't have an impact, and it won't have an impact. And I chuckle, Rob, because I'm sitting here saying to myself, dude, this is the Superdome. Like, there was a long time in history where even in the regular season, you had no interest in going and playing there. So I don't care who you are. The crowd is going to have an impact, especially at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. It'll have a huge impact, but I think that's a sign right there of McVay and what he's got them believing. I mean, you got to go in there believing it's not going to have an impact or else it's going to have an impact. And they were there in the regular season, so they got a little taste. And that wasn't, you know, week one. That was November, early November where both teams were already, I believe, 10-1 and one and, or 9-1. and one, ten. The fans knew the importance of the game at that point. So they have a little taste of what it's going to be. But, you know, I mean, coming through the TV last week, it sounded like one of the loudest places on earth when they played the Eagles. So I would imagine it's going to have some type of impact. It was almost so loud last week in the divisional round that I think it affected their home team in the first quarter. Looked like it. Um, I mean, they came out, I guess you could say flat, but 
I, to me, it was surprising how it impacted. I didn't look at exactly at the stats, but I would think the Saints had at least four or five false starts themselves. And, you know, offensive line problems that are usually impacted by playing on the road. Um, so it looked like they, they you know, sometimes you're over-amped or you can rattle yourself as the home team because you're supposed to win, air quotes. But, yeah, it sounded like it for sure. I think the best thing the Rams have going into this game right now, and I want to start on their side of the football first. I think the best thing they have going for them right now is that everybody on their roster, minus Cooper Cup, who obviously had the season-ending injury, is healthy. And I think you saw and you are seeing that ball roll down the hill and gain momentum and gain momentum. And I think it starts with the running game. You didn't know what you were going to get out of Todd Gurley last week, but screw him. How about C.J. Anderson? Can the Rams continue to do that, and will they be able to do that and how paramount, Rob, is that for them to win this football game? Uh, huge in the sense of keeping the ball away from the Saints a little bit. But I don't think the Rams look at it as a let's control the ball and clock. I think they just thought that was their best way of beating Dallas. And, I mean, it's been coming out now all week if you've been paying attention that something was a giveaway on their defensive line of Dallas. They, they did so much pre-work studying Dallas that they kind of knew where the gaps were or where they were going to be in the defensive line based on the way one or two players were lining up crazy. But I mean, that's how much work goes into these game plans. So I mean, if you would look, if you look back at how the Ram, if you look at the game closely enough and I was noticing it during the game, but didn't know what the heck Goff was looking at, he would get to the line and kind of look up at that, the clock and the big screen in the Coliseum. I think he was looking for the placement of, certain guys on the defense, and that kind of gave them to tell where to go. I mean, they gashed them, and no one has gashed Dallas all year running the ball like that. Seattle was the best running team in the league. They couldn't run an inch that night last week or two weeks ago. So, But I think it'll be important, but I think he did that also to protect Goff. I mean, we all know down the stretch, Goff wasn't as good as he was the first half and could become a turnover fest. So as brilliant a coaching move as that is, he was gaining yards and at the same time not putting Goff in a position of any vulnerability early in the game to get him in the flow of the game. I'm just afraid that if it gets to the point where Jared Goff has to win you a football game, he's not going to win you the football game. And, and that's not a slight on Jared Goff because truthfully, man, I really like him. Like, you could tell me right now, it doesn't matter what team I am in the NFL, if I can make a trade for Jared Goff, I would make it. I just don't know if he's at the point in his career right now where NFC Championship game on the road in the Superdome with that crowd, and it's going to be a fact. And I like where their heads are at. I like where McVay has their minds. I remember you saying early on in the year, man, we got to get a hard knocks in that locker room so we can see what he's saying to those guys. But at the end of the day, the point being is I just just don't know if, if, if if the running game isn't there Will Jared Goff be able to pick apart that defense enough to win that football game? You're probably right. I mean, there's only a couple quarterbacks in the league, I think, if the running game is totally shut down, can just go out there, create, and score enough points to match the Saints in the Superdome. But I think he can – their schemes are so good, everything's put together so well that he rarely has to make one of those thread the needle, Phil Rivers got to beat three guys – through the to throw a pass through guys I mean they're either wide open or they're not with their schemes so I mean it'll come down to matchups and the schemes they put together but yeah I don't think he can yeah, down four no timeouts in a minute 52 is he going to lead them on a 90 yard march on his arm alone I don't think he's at that point of his career yet 
But these are the games that get you there. Somehow Flacco did it for one run. So, I mean, you never know in these games. They're crazy. Yeah, if you go back into the history of quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl, you'll see a few names and be like, how the hell? Yeah, most of those guys did it with defense. But Flacco's run was, I mean, he won that, I don't know if you remember, a 41-35 yeah. overtime game in Denver. And he had a fourth and 20 convert. I mean, he would have lost a lot of money. He kept thinking he was going to convert what he converted on those last couple of drives. So it happens. They get on these crazy runs sometimes. I, I absolutely do remember that because my brother actually went to University of Delaware and said that Joe Flacco is just a prick. Like, he's just not <laughs> – he's, like, not a cool dude, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we'll find out where he's going to land next year because yeah. Harbaugh made that pretty clear. Uh, he's going to be great for somebody else next year. That was his pretty much first comment after losing a playoff game as a head coach. <laughs> yeah, not, not, nothing about, you know, how my team fought, all the great things. No, no, hey, hey Joe Flacco, have fun finding a new team next year. But you're right, though. He did lead a team to the Super Bowl, so you never know. Maybe Jared Goff feels some of that love. On the flip side of the football, right, it needs to be the Rams' defense, though, that is able to slow down any part of the Saints. So the one thing I can say is that they, they showed me a lot last week in the run game. To be able to do what they did to Ezekiel Elliott was very impressive, right? Now, can they stop that but then be able to handle the screen game out of the backfield, be able to guard Michael Thomas down the sidelines of the field? And then, oh, by the way, they have – just one of the best offensive lines in the game. That's going to be where this game is decided, in my opinion. If the Rams are able to move the ball offensively and hang in there, then it's going to come down. And I think they're very well schooled. I think their defense, the front seven, is phenomenal, as you saw against Elliott. But the problem is their back end, after Tlaib, there is nothing in the back end. Peters is good at talking, but he's really not good at covering anybody. <laughs> and there's very, some shit very, going on between them two. Sure is. And he's very good at uh, – personal fouls and penalties. So if you need some personal <laughs> fouls and you want to hand 15 yards, he's, he's your guy. But besides, you know, Tlaib's the guy who was a little banged up but came back on the field last week, but he's the only one. So my assumption is they got to match him up with Thomas and do the best they can there. And will the back end hold up? So, it, you know, that, there's two ways. You either got to cover him in the back end or get to the quarterback. And I think the Rams' chances get to the quarterback with their front seven. So that's going to be the dynamic, I think, that decides the game right there. I mean, and, and just watch the Aaron Donald matchup because he really seems to be good for two sacks every single game. Now, I think for me, it just comes down to you need to be able to manage the yards you're giving up to Drew Brees in this offense. You know what? If they go 75, 80 yards every single drive, but they come away with threes and threes and threes, you give yourself a chance. But if every single time, because let's be serious, when, when guys like Tom Brady are, are involved in the game and guys like Drew Brees are involved in the game, they're going to get their yards. Even on bad days, they're going to complete passes. They're going to move the offense. It's all about whether or not that defense is able to hold them to threes, that bend, don't break mentality. And I think that's got to be the thought. Now, if you're the Rams, you're not going in there saying, let's only give up 20 points. Let's give up 15 points. But if you think about it, that's exactly what the Eagles did and they gave themselves a chance to win the game. And that's, let's be serious, the ball in Jared Goff hands right now, if you're a Rams fan, you're down 20 to 14, 242, whatever it was remaining, ball in Jared Goff's hands, 25-yard line, whether I believe he's going to win the game or not, you would sign up for that right now. I, you'd sign up for that. You'd sign up for it with Nick Foles. And who didn't think Nick Foles was going to score in that exact same situation last week? And he probably does score if the ball doesn't go through the guy's hands. Yeah, inside the 20-yard line, Alshon Jeffrey. So, I mean, yeah, the Rams would sign up for that now, but 
those those are going to be critical plays. They always are. It's the third down and whatever yardage already in field goal range, where you either get the stop or you don't. And no one really talks about. It, but those are those plays right there are four point swings. They are if you stop them, it's a three point. If you don't, it's probably seven points. And you do that three three times in a game. That's a twelve point difference. So that's where games are decided. Uh, and I, that's what this game will come down to, in my opinion. But if you really look at the Saints for the last six weeks, we are not looking at a up and down the field, light you up offense like we were the first 12 weeks of the season. And it's amazing. Not too many people are talking about it. It took a long time for the Saints offense to get going. And that was not an aerial show last week. They had one 14-minute or 12-minute drive, which was epic. But they held the ball for the entire third quarter to score one touchdown. They had one drive that led to a touchdown off a of uh, amazing fake punt call on your own 29-yard line. Right. 14. I mean, I, I didn't walk away from that game saying, how can you ever stop this offense? It does not look like the uh, greatest show on turf of the old days of the Rams, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and if you think about it, if, if you're this Rams team, you're like, this is great. I got videotape from the week before at the Superdome on how I can slow this offense down. I, I almost just want to go with the exact Eagles game plan with some wrinkles. And you got to remember, and you'd obviously made the point about Marcus Peters making the gumbo comment and saying, you know, Sean Payton can keep talking that shit and blah, 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 blah. Well, let's be serious. Michael Thomas torched this team early on in the season for 211 yards. I think that was like a franchise record. It was his record. And the Saints put up 45 points. Do you believe that's bulletin board material? Do you believe that's too much? Like, what part of that for you, Rob, is looking at it and saying, you know, let's just shut your mouths and go in there and play football. We don't need any more targets on our back. Or what is it? Hey, you got to take pride in the fact that this team absolutely torched you and this specific player absolutely torched you last time you were out here. And you need to get some type of revenge on that guy. Plus, you have a, a bid for the Super Bowl on the line. I, the Peters, it really frustrates me because, I mean, you were the guy who got lit up that day. I mean, right. For the most part of that day, you were guarding Thomas. But, you know, some of these guys, that's, that's all they do. They can talk, talk, talk. Do I think it actually leads to bulletin board? I mean, I'm sure it'll be discussed in the St. Locker room, but I think you have some serious problems if you need the other team talking to fire you up to get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I see Brady's reaching for uh, motivation, but when you've been to 1,006 consecutive AFC championships and Super Bowls, you got to dig for motivation. But to me, I don't think it'll be bulletin board, but – if you're asking, I mean, if I coach a team, I mean, I do, but if I coach a team at that level, nobody's talking. It's going to be, if you're talking, you're going to be sitting because there is no reason. I don't want to be the team that's running our mouths either way, I mean, good or bad. Just play the game. Do the best you can. There's no reason to fire up anybody. Is Mark Ingram a guy? Because now we're, we're talking about the passing game and all that stuff, but I just feel like the X factor in this game becomes Mark Ingram. He can pass, catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit, but he is their north-south runner. He's the guy that's not afraid to get it dirty, earn three, four, five yards on first down and set this offense up. I have a feeling, and I don't want to know if you agree with me on this one, that that whole passing game, that the Michael Thomas, even Kamara, because I know they move him around a lot and they put him in a lot of different formations. I feel like everything opens up for that offense when you get Mark Ingram going downhill. That's, and that's kind of today's football. It's the opposite. You kind of... If you could gash him with a few runs, it opens up everything else. Uh, but more so, these teams hit you with some deep passes that gets the downhill running game going. So it kind of flips the philosophies of old school football, run to set up the pass. You kind of pass to set up the run now. Uh, 
but that it's it is interesting because you got two very offensive minded aggressive head coaches and to me they both knew last week they were playing an opponent who could not light up the scoreboard you know the most they could score to dallas is what they probably did in the low 20s and the eagles haven't scored you know they're a 20 point offense on their best day the way they were flowing now so both coaches i feel like felt if we can control the ball get to our points we can win the game it's kind of what they did you know both kind of close both escaped but now we have two offensive-minded, I think, a little ego coaches going <laughs> against each other, knowing the other one is very capable of lighting up the scoreboard. So now does anyone have the discipline or even think it's in the team's best interest to control the clock and control, or does it turn into Chiefs, Rams, kind of, oh, yeah, watch this, seven points here. So, <laughs> I mean, you, the last thing you want is you think you're controlling the clock and the other team takes the ball and goes, Almost like the Colts, three and out, punt, 91 yards, the Chiefs, five plays. Three and out, <laughs> punt, 90 yards, Chiefs, and all of a sudden you're down 14 nothing out of the gate. I don't think either team wants to be in that position, and I think both coaches really deep down believe that give me six play calls, I'll get this team to the end zone, and that's kind of the mentality that made these coaches who they are, in my opinion. So I don't know if the power run will come into a play based on knowing the other team has the capability of scoring so many points. And, and that's why I feel like I keep circling Mark Ingram's name because I'm looking for the smarts because Peyton and McVay are just so smart guys, to your point, offensively. And I'm looking for the spot where I could say they're going to try and take advantage. And that's what Bill Belichick has done so good over his career. Some guy out of nowhere that you're not keying on, that you're not really thinking about, you know he's there, but you're not really thinking about it. He comes out of left field, and he ends up winning a football game. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Hogan comes up with two TDs and, like, nine receptions this weekend for the New England Patriots because that's the way Bill Belichick is able to scheme, and that's how he's been so successful in the playoffs. And I just keep looking for that spot. So, for me, it's, it's Mark Ingram. And to your point, the last time these two teams met, it was – 80 total points so it's not like they're not accustomed to doing that so for me though i just see it on the other end though i just for some reason i feel like every time we go into a playoff football game where we think there's going to be a lot of offense there just never is that's true it has been especially rematches they rarely have to score 80 the first time usually it's not opposite game but i think we're dealing with coaches here that are just they're different dudes they and they're Will their ego get in the way? Will Is, is either coach willing to say, uh, we're up four with the ball. Let's take nine minutes off this clock, go away from kind of what we've done, and pound the rock, keep the ball away from the other guy. And if they are, they might, it might be the difference in the game, but it also might take the team so far out of their element that they can't perform. I mean, both coaches, in my opinion, are more than willing to have their defense give up 31 in this game. And if you gave them, if you asked them the truth, they think they could score enough points to win the game. So... I, I don't think if you asked them if the Eagles would score 31 on the Saints, I think Peyton would have been very upset and said that's not how we're going to win this game. And I think they know now, respecting the other opponent, the opponent's offense, that this game could end up in such a frantic pace. I don't see them. I mean, the Rams ran the ball. I don't know the exact splits, but they ran that ball a ton last week and still managed 30 points because they're gashed. They were gashing Dallas. So if they could do that, if either team could just run for 10 yards a clip, then. Yeah, they'd be moronic not to just continue running for 10 yards a clip, but I don't know if that's the way this one's going to go. 
I think Sean Payton has the patience to do it because he's been there longer. The question becomes, and McVay showed the patience against the Cowboys. Shocking, in my opinion. <laughs> I kept waiting for him to split the script, and it was forget about yeah. There's been the games this year you forget Gurley's on the team. They throw so much, but that's uh, uh, give him credit for sticking to it. Part of me believes that's the plan all year. Almost like we're going to blow out our pass game for 17 weeks of the regular season and then all of a sudden un- 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 unravel this unbelievable run game. Might be. It's, I mean, <laughs> I think they're just faulty. Both coaches, I mean, all, all four coaches this weekend are top of the game. Could quite possibly be top four coaches in the league at this point. I mean, I think they do whatever the opponent gives them in that particular time. I've just seen – Peyton and even McVay in his short career, I've just seen them at times when the defense has given them something, not do it because to me it's an ego or it's a, I get the first down anyway type attitude and sometimes I can come back to get you. I mean, we've seen, I've seen Peyton do too many. I mean, he's, so, he's probably the most aggressive coach in the history of the game with stuff he does, but I've seen him at times kind of blow games with over-aggression. So it'll be interesting for sure with, with so much at stake that the whole world watching, it'll be interesting to see how they both handle it. Last question I have for you on this game before we move on to the next, the AFC Championship game. Where do you rank Drew Brees in his career if he isn't able to complete a season like this and possibly not get back to the Super Bowl? Because let, let's be honest, he's old, he's in his 40s, and we don't know how much longer his career is going to last. This might be his last real chance to get back to the Super Bowl. I, I I hate the all-time ranking stuff because pretty much before 1990, it's really hard for me to tell you who was what. Man, you got to go off highlights and people's hearsay and all that. But, yeah, my time, he'll never surpass Brady or Peyton Manning. So, I mean, he falls into the probably the top of the second plateau, whether he wins or, or winning the second one could really separate him from everyone else. But he's in there with the, you know, to me, it's Manning and Brady are the top two of our time probably and then you know, everybody else is the Eli's and the Russell Wilson it's a pretty good era of quarterbacks these last 20 years if you really look at I mean even Philip Rivers numbers wise is going to finish with like Marino like numbers it's insane. <laughs> it is a different game and the way they play now but I also think it's a lot more demanding on the quarterback now than it was 30 years ago with thinner playbooks and not as much schemes on defense that you really had to get ready for um but, yeah, I think he's up the second-tier upper echelon either way. I don't think he does anything unless he rattles three Super Bowls off in his last three years to get into the uh, Paytons and the Brady Plateau there. Yeah, I agree. He's still a Hall of Famer, but oh, uh, he yeah, is. He's, he's, at the, he's at the top of tier two. I absolutely, I absolutely – and I agree with that. And I'm just – it's just such a curious thought because, like, watching Phillip Rivers just absolutely crumble last week against the Pats. Now, I know his team didn't do him any favors either. But the, I guess the point being is that just having never seen Phillip Rivers get there, you can't deny that it, it gives you a weird, eerie feeling when you think about them as an all-time great in the uh, top echelon. A hundred percent, but it's so situational with the uh, getting to a Super Bowl, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really – it always gets placed on the quarterback and head coach, but – I mean, you can't find a more team game than football. I mean, if your line can't block, it wouldn't matter if you're Tom Brady. It's proved out. Aaron Rodgers is probably the most talent of all time. But, yeah, he, he's lost almost a million playoff games. It's, there's a lot of other factors that go in. And I'm no Rivers lover by any stretch. But 
we have seen the greatest of all time crumble in New England in a playoff game. So, I mean, it, it, it is what it is when you got to run through that. I don't know if Drew Brees would win in Foxborough next week either. So it's just the way it goes. Go see Archie Manning's career on Google, and that'll tell you a little bit about what it is to be a great quarterback with no offensive line. All right, minus three and a half. The Saints are giving three and a half. The over is 57. I'm not saying you're a betting man. I'm just saying that there might be people out there that trust your opinion. What do you got? Rams and the over. Ah. <laughs> Which is, uh, I mean, to be honest, I don't, I don't like totals and overs because you never know what coaches – motive for pace of the game, but you had to make a decision in this two games. I think these games are more likely to land on 100 than they are to land on 30, so you might as well just go play the safe side and take the over, but I'm actually, I'm pretty confident, and I could be made a fool by the second quarter if Goff's throwing pick sixes left to right, but <laughs> something about the Rams, I, mean, I don't know if they'll win the game, but that extra half, I, I, I mean, I, maybe it's just me hoping we finally get some good football games, but uh, the three and a half could be significant. I think we could have a late driving game here one way or the other, and that's what I'm kind of hoping for. But I really do believe the Rams have a shot to go in there and win this game. I love it. And I, I, I just hope that for for our sake and for everybody's watching sake, we just get two really competitive football games. Cause Please, because it's hurting. I mean, we, <laughs> oh. we couldn't get a college football playoff. <laughs> we couldn't get one close bowl game, let alone the national championship. I mean, it's, it's been bad. I mean, Eagles – Saints was as close as we got, and I mean, it was a good game, but I wouldn't call that an all-time epic, for sure. Right. <laughs> and, and like you said, it was great because you wouldn't leave your chair, but it was also one of those things where it's like, ah, all right, just nothing's really, you know, kind of got me that excited. All right, well, maybe, maybe the Pats and the Chiefs can be that all-time great, and I think it would be an all-time great if Andy Reid comes out on the winning side of this for every obvious reason that every semi-decent football fan should understand. Yeah, this is it for him. I mean, it is time. It's been time for him. But obviously, he's finally got the quarterback. That's the, what McNabb never was or Alex Smith never. I mean, the guy in one year has shown he could bail them out of any situation they're in with any arm angle, with any type of crazy pass he could come up with. But it's full circle for Andy Reid. I mean, when he, all his time with the Eagles, he, he gets an NFC championship every year, keep losing finally breaks through and who's standing on the other sideline in the Super Bowl? There it was Belichick and here they are again. So I think full circle, if he's ever going to do it, this is the route he's going to do it. He's going to have to, you knew he was going to have to beat Belichick sooner or later. And it's been his demon and nightmare along with almost everyone else in the league for all this time. But he's never had this arsenal of weapons for this type of battle, in my opinion, before. So, and at home, this, it's pretty cool that setting. Have you never seen this big of a game in that setting in Arrowhead Stadium? I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's been something since like 1992 or 1993 or something like that since they've hosted uh, an AFC championship game or even been in the AFC championship game. And you, you look at Patrick Mahomes as being the difference maker here, but for, for me, I come back to and I think it's A, Andy Reid just needs to be Andy Reid. I think that's what he did such a great job of last week. He just did what he wanted to do. He didn't worry about the game plan on the other team. And in the second half, because that's usually what happens. Andy Reid teams come out. They play hard. They play good in the first two quarters. They build a lead and they blow it. We saw it against Tennessee two years ago. Well, that was the difference in this game is that they kept being aggressive the way they wanted to because they ran the ball very well. They, they wanted to be aggressive that way in the third and fourth quarter as well and then allow Patrick Mahomes to build off of that. It was a beautiful game plan. That's, and that's 
the point that I want to make. That's what they need to stick to. They have never played under Andy Reid since the Philadelphia Eagles made that Super Bowl a complete four-quarter game, which is why he hasn't been able to get back there. That's what this team needs to do in this football game to beat Tom Brady. And I mean, it's, it almost seems obvious, but go watch the tape. Every time they play great in the first half, they fall apart in the second half. It's so true, but he's also never had. Uh, so maybe his, we used to call him the shell, me and my friends back in the day, because he'd roll up into a little shell in those second halves and always get sniped in these games. Uh, and maybe it was him protecting what he knew. And I think he's a very good coach, Andy. I think he's one of the best. All time. But yeah, and numbers, wins, 10 wins a year, no matter what. But maybe he was, he knew, you know, combination of, getting a little tight in big games, but also knowing his quarterbacks weren't great. And it's amazing how many games he's won without an all-time quarterback, which coaches don't usually do. you got to have one of the top couple quarterbacks to win 10 games every year. Uh, and he's never really had that till now. So maybe now he knows I can let this go. I don't, I don't have to be the shell, as I used to call him. <laughs> I can let my quarterback go win and lose the game. And maybe that's where we're at. It's got to be such a difference maker. It's like for you when you trot out a guy late in the game when you have a lead on the mound and you're like, I just know I have a really great feeling that this is going to go the right way because that guy has instilled that confidence. I think that's where Patrick Mahomes is right now in his career in Kansas City. He's instilling that confidence in KC that, hey, listen, we're good enough, guys. I can take you on my back and we can win this football game. True. It's very similar, I think, to – Cower, Bill Cower, all those years, blowing games similar to Reed, give him Ben Roethlisberger, let him, you know, do some things and not be so scared, and you're a Super Bowl champ, and then you can retire, and everyone thinks Cower was Vince Lombardi, you know, the longer <laughs> he gets from retirement. But, yeah, I think it's very similar. It's like you're saying, if you're, if you're a baseball coach, you want, we've all had those innings where you put a guy on the mound, you go, oh, man, find three outs, find three outs, and then there's – the guy you put on the mound, maybe the tying runs at second and you need an out and you go, this game's a win. He's done it so many times. We have the game in our hands. And that's, what I think, what he feels with Mahomes. 100%. It's like, yeah, it's like the closer. Mahomes is your closer, but the best part is he can also be your starter and your setup guy. <laughs> it's so- such, it, it, this game just, to me, is such a, is the torch going to pass now or is it passing next? It, it's almost like set up perfect. The one that's won it, all these the team that's done it a million times, that coach and quarterback, are they handing it off to the Mahomes and Andy Reid new coach quarterback combo in the AFC? It's, it's interesting, but that is, as we all know, a very tough ghost you got to kill off. The one that is always standing there in the end in New England. There are 40 plus years of coaching head coaching in the NFL between these two guys. So I laugh when you say passing of the guard, because it is true though, Patrick Mahomes could literally extend Andy Reid's career another 10 to 12 years, even Why, longer. Yeah, I, I wouldn't quit if he was my coach. <laughs> sure. You know, the Andy Reid's career could be borderline hall of fame coach status. This is Patrick Mahomes is going to take him over that line. So I went back and I was watching on the NFL Network. I was watching their, I believe it was their week six matchup because these two teams did play. They played in New England that time. And I think that was Patrick Mahomes' like first taste of playing the New England Patriots, especially on the road. This Pats team is three and five on the road this season. So that is the first caveat to that game is that it was in New England and how important that was and that the Chiefs still were able to almost win that football game. The second thing is I charted plays for the second and third quarter in this football game to get an idea 
of if there's a pattern. So there was two patterns I found. The first one was, wow, Josh Gordon and Kareem Hunt were definitely involved in those yeah. offenses at that time. So that's a huge difference maker when these two teams line up and watch the tape of that game, A, and B, play against each other. And then the second thing was, it's impossible to figure out what Belichick and Brady are thinking because Brady makes every call at the line, and they never do anything the same. I mean, I'm just going to read you six plays right here from the second quarter alone. Screen pass to White. Middle left side of the field, run by White, directly up the middle. Short pass to Patterson to the right. Play action, short pass to Edelman to the right. New England calls a timeout. Deep pass down the left sidelines, 50 yards, pass interference. They're on the one-yard line. And then they, they line up in a power formation, and they run the football three times with one play action, and they get in the end zone. It's like you can't. There's no way you could try and go. And then they come out in the third quarter, and you look at the play chart, and it's everything that's exactly different. They run the ball three times in a row. Then they throw it deep. Then it slants across the middle. And I think that's what's so impressive about them. Well, Belichick's only the best coach because he has Brady. That's what everybody says, right? It's just only because the quarterback. And that, <laughs> oh, yeah. If you're looking for patterns on New England, the only pattern is there is no pattern. They change who they are every week. And sometimes they change who they are drive to drive. And that's what makes them – they don't have better players than everyone else. Yeah, they got the quarterback, but he's not better than – Mahomes is the better quarterback if you want, look at these guys head-to-head right now at this point in their career. Just like I would say Rivers is better than Tom Brady at this point of his career going into last week's game. It just doesn't matter. Brady's so bought into what they're doing, always knows where the open guy is, knows the check down, knows the plan. And that's really what separates New England is if Belichick walks in that room and that game in week six – is a much diff- these are almost two different te- it's a, first off it's an arrowhead and not Gillette huge difference there's no Hunt there's no Gordon and more so I, if you look back I'm pretty sure Gronk was a major factor in that game and he hasn't been a factor in a, a few he's games he's a run blocker he's a run yeah. blocker now and he's a horrible free safety or else this game would be played in uh, New England instead of Kansas <laughs> City on the last play oh, that's but, great that's how crazy it is but yeah they they change so much but he can walk in that room and tell his team or he could go up to a player of Gronk's caliber and say, you will not catch one pass today. You're just going to block buy-in, and they do. And that's what really – imagine uh, Tomlin trying to tell that to Antonio Brown or tell Le'Veon Bell, you're not part of the game plan this week. It's just, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work anywhere else but there, and that's what kind of separates them. Here's the plan. This is how we're going to win. Buy-in, or we'll find people who will. So I, I wouldn't be looking up play charts on New England, though, and that's kind of the – the hard part of predicting this game in general is what does Belichick think? Does he think no matter what we do, Mahomes is going to score this many points, so we got to come out, open the door, and score as many points as we can? Or does he think he can go you know, 1990 Buffalo Bill game plan and run the clock and keep the ball away? You just really never know what they feel like the weakness of the other team is. And sometimes I think he knows Probably in that Sunday night, we're not stopping this team. We're going to need 43 points to win this game, so let's go score 43 points. And I think, if you notice, very – I think they talked about it briefly, uh, winning the coin toss against the Chargers, and I think 97 out of 100 times, Belichick kicks off, plays D, and goes for that two-possession, you know, end of the second-quarter possession, start of the third quarter. He does that, that old back-to-back. But in this game, he took the ball, I think, in his head. He said – I think we can pick apart this D at least early. Let's put Rivers and those guys behind 7 nothing, And it worked. You know, it's just, it always seems to work for them. And that's the thing. He's game-planned from when they get to the parking lot. It's like that's how game-planned he is, but you have to give him credit. And you're, to your point, I, I think I charted 
37 like Patriots plays while I was watching the game. And I think it was like 19 runs and 18 passes. Like, and, but the best part about it is you're looking at it going, it's pass, 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 pass. And you're like, Oh, I can, I can see what's happening here. They're not running. The, and then all of a sudden they run the ball for 37 yards on four different carries. And you're like, it's almost, it's like, it's almost like they're not trying to hide who they are. And I think that's what almost is what happens now. So, so Andy Reed, and obviously there are pressures in, in, in this sport, but not necessarily for Andy Reed. He's searching for something he's never been able to get to. I think he, uh, again, comes back to sticking to his game plan. <clears throat> this is what was successful for us last week. This is what we need to stick to defensively. And this is what we need to adjust to because they're the New England Patriots. And again, it comes back to what we talked about in the Rams-Saints game. Keep them to threes. If, if Brady's going to pick you apart, if Sonny Michelle's going to run the football that way, if James White's going to be able to catch 15 pe- balls out of the backfield, that's fine. Let them catch those balls between the 20-yard lines and uh, keep them to threes, and you're going to be in a good place. That's got to be, again, I mean, that's got to be every team's game plan against these high-powered offenses, but you're probably in a position here where I don't know if either coach will settle for three in, the, in those fourth and they might be looking once they get inside the 30 that it's four downs for 10 yards because they know how many points they're going to have to score to win the game. And uh, it's very hard to kick a football in these conditions. I mean, it, it, who knows? The weather report keeps changing. But you're going to have a cold night in Kansas City. So the kicking game could be abs- you know, absent for a little bit. But I think Andy Reid, this, he, this, Belichick has mentioned it a couple times this week, too. They are so fast starting the Chiefs. I mean, it's – go chart something i would like to look at how many times they put up 14 points on their first two drives of the game it's, it's amazing right they they're just they come out of the gate he has those scripted plays and everything's bing bang boom and you're in the end zone um i think i wouldn't be surprised belichick takes the ball first again just to try and avoid that if they win the toss but it's been a, they are so fast starting that everything's leading me to believe at least i mean you really never know in new england but i don't see Kansas City thinking you make a win a low scoring game. So I expect them to open the gates. And I think Belichick knows he's got to score points in this game too. So it could be wild again. And that's why when I look at the line and the Chiefs are given three, I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm just looking at that going, uh oh. Like that scares me. Cause I mean, again, we talk about the competitive nature of the games, but like this is the matchup that everybody has been looking for. You want to talk to me on week one, you want to talk to me in the preseason, you want to talk to me in week seven, week 14. Every single person wanted to see Patrick Mahomes lining to go up against Tom Brady. And I actually do believe everyone also wanted to see this game in Kansas City because, and as the minus three line says, that is the difference maker in this football game. Yeah, the minus, to me, the Chiefs are more than a three point. Three is what you get for home field. So, I mean, you're telling me it's a pick, these two teams are evenly matched. I. I disagree on talent. I disagree on the – I mean, they, they did just kill the Chargers. But down the stretch there, New England was fighting and clawing just to win games. I mean, Kansas City's been rolling. <laughs> All year they've been rolling. They had one hiccup on the Thursday night game against the Chargers and the Seattle game on a quick turnaround. But besides that, I mean, the only games the Chiefs have lost were uh, two three-point games and a four-point game, I think, the whole year. So, I mean – they're, they're down 10. You know, they've only lost by 10 points in three games uh, total. Uh, so, to me, that baked into that line is just the history, obviously, of New England. So, yeah, I think this is more of a five, in my opinion. But it is very hard to beat those guys. And But the good thing is the only time they lose 
in these games is when it's on the road. They haven't won a road playoff game in over 10 years. I mean, it's they're not in that position too much because they're so good during the season, but it's all set up. If Andy Reid does not do it this time, when's it going to happen, man? I mean, you got, you got it at home. You got, a, I think, a weaker New England team. It's all set up. The night game, but with, you know, with that comes that added pressure. And if anyone – there's nobody on New England feeling pressure in this game. All the pressure's on the other side of the field, in my opinion. Yeah, and how they handle that pressure. All right, so before we go, what are you taking? You taking that three? You taking the Chiefs laying the three? And, oh, by the way, the over is 56 in this game. <laughs> over again, because like I said, you're, you're more likely to get 100 than 30. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it's too hard to predict the pace again. And I, maybe Bel- if Belichick thinks he's got to control it, maybe he's got to control it, but... There hasn't been uh, the Kansas City hasn't scored less than 24 points in any single game the entire year, which is amazing. Uh, so uh, I would assume they're not going to be under 24 again this game. Um, but as far as the game, as much as you know, you want to see Andy Reid and all them. <laughs> to me, you can't make. If you're actually betting these games. My premise, my whole life is you don't make any money going against Belichick and Brady. So give me the three and. Give me New England, as, as annoying as that is. Oh, I just love the, the sound of your voice as you make that pick. Well, you can't. I mean, I had a, you probably heard it, too. There's a million people. Oh, you got to take the Chargers with the four points. They're the better team. And I tried to warn everybody. I said, you know how dumb you get? Yeah, you could take the Chargers. You might win, and you'll feel great. Just like you could take the Chiefs. You're probably supposed to win this week. But at the end of the game, when Belichick picks apart Anthony Lynn and makes them look like they're standing still on the sideline, don't you feel like a moron when the only <laughs> thing you knew before the game is the better coach was standing on New England sideline? <laughs> so, yeah, right. I mean, right. I don't want to feel like a moron. I'd rather watch it. I'm going down with the ship. I guess that's <laughs> I want the, if the dynasty's dying, you go down with it. Yeah, it's like a captain, you know. They've helped get me here in this area of my life. I need to keep sticking with them. And I also feel like the 11 players on the field for the Chargers were standing still last week, not just the sidelines as well. Pretty much. That's pretty much what happened. Well, Mr. Datoma, I am fired up. I'm sure we'll have a great text conversation through these. What, with To our luck, we'll have a 45-minute podcast on these games, and then there'll be blowouts. And we'll be sitting there in the second quarter texting each other like, well, that was enjoyable. So I'm hoping for not that, but as always, we appreciate your insight. We appreciate you joining the cast and I will talk to my team and we will see what names you can come up with. And this might turn into a Rob Toma and situation on the DAP podcast. That's a wait. I mean, branding, marketing, and I want those royalties. (laughs) Okay. Well, I might have to get my legal team involved. (laughs) All right. I'll get mine. (laughs) That's great. Well, we appreciate it, Rob. Thank you, as always. And I'm not even calling you a guest anymore. I'm calling you the favorite guest at this point. Love it. Thanks for having me on, Robo. As always, guys, I'm Andrew Romanello. I'm your host here on Rome Solo Friday Dab. This is the Dab Podcast. We are sponsored by DigMeNation.com. Head over to DigMeNation.com. Use the promo code DigTheDab. And, of course, social medias, DabPodcast.com. Get us with the five star. You guys know the deal. I say it every podcast. Thank you for joining in. We will see you next week for our midweek episode. Until then, we'll see you later. Bottles over here.